This is Unfilter, episode 361 for May 5th, 2021. Guess what? Gross economy. Benefits everybody. Hurts nobody. But now, it's talk to the, the Wall Street Journal, talk about the welfare program. It's about growth. And so, you know, the idea that uh, it's just amazing. I mean, <laughs> I'm not willing to deficit spend. They already have us two trillion in the hole. We're not going to deprive any of these executives of their second or third home, travel privately by jet. It's not going to affect their standard of living at all. Not a little tiny bit. But I can affect the standard of living that people I grew up with. If they have a job, I can expect to make sure the standard of living that people I grew up with, if they have childcare, can afford it, so 20 million women can be back in the workforce. This is just not, makes no sense to me. Hello, friend, and welcome into the People's History Podcast, and I want to welcome the President of the United States to the club. A lot of shit in this country is just damn confusing, including your new infrastructure plan, Mr. President. Or maybe, maybe you're just confused. (laughs) We'll dig into that. I made a big mistake this episode. I didn't grab a beverage, so I'm going to sneak out of here at some point. You won't even notice, and I'm going to grab a beverage, but... That's not what's really important. What's important today and what has remained dominant in our daily lives for a while now is COVID. It dominates just about every aspect of our daily lives from lockdown conversations to mass conversations to the economy to schooling, which is one. I mean, just today, my kids were doing school from home today. They still do school at home uh, frequently. Sometimes for like after spring break, they stayed home an extra week. I think maybe to give like a COVID buffer. Uh, and right now they're home every Wednesday. And in some ways I kind of like it. And in some ways I know it's disruptive to them and it's not, they're not getting the same learning experience they might, but it does provide some flexibility. And it still means that our day-to-day lives here, at least in the Seattle area, are not back to normal yet. And one of the things that I have said over and over again on this show, <laughs> you guys have been listening, you know it's true. Rapid testing would make such a difference. Rapid testing. I mean, if my kids had rapid testing after spring break, they could test themselves every morning before they went to school. You know, you could test yourself before you go to the grocery store. And it seems like here we are. What is it now? Feel like a year and a half, really? Because let's be honest, that pan, the, the COVID probably got over here in November, December. So we're, we're like at a year and a half now. And now here we are a year and a half after this thing floating around in the population. We may have some decent home testing options. Tested for the coronavirus just got a little easier. The FDA has now authorized five over-the-counter COVID tests that give you results at home in just minutes. Dr. John LaPook took a look at the new test with the experts at Popular Science Magazine. He shows us how the ability to test regularly and get rapid results from the comfort of home could be one ticket to controlling the spread of the virus. Steph, a very deep three. Before watching Steph Curry lead the Golden State Warriors, unvaccinated fans at home games are required to score a negative COVID test, either at the arena 
or before leaving home. The Warriors are offering ticket holders the Lucera test. It's one of five over-the-counter COVID tests recently authorized by the FDA. Results are ready in 30 minutes or less. Twist and pull the tab off the processing fluid container. Claire Maldorelli and the team at Popular Science evaluated several at-home test kits. This is the Abbott Binax now, and I'm going to try it. Samples are collected through nasal swabs that don't have to go too far up the nose. Four, five. How is the nose swab? No big deal, because I'm not going all the way up. They don't need to be mailed or sent to a lab for analysis. Put six drops. Close over the swab. Results are ready in 15 to 30 minutes. And I am, as expected, negative. Popular science found the tests were easy to use with a small learning curve. It is blue. Thank you, Lord. Even with a negative result, someone with COVID symptoms should check with their doctor. That's because these home tests are not perfect. The FDA told CBS News in order to be authorized, these home tests have to agree with the gold standard PCR results at least 90% of the time. I really, I really still, it still kind of bugs me that the PCR test is considered the gold standard because it's such a niche, not niche, nuanced, same kind of thing, but it's a nuanced problem. Uh, and there has been new CDC guidance that's been going around for people who have been vaccinated but then get reinfected. They're giving them different guidance on PCI, PCR screening levels. And the whole thing just has always been kind of adjusted. When the PCR depth levels go up, then we have way more cases found. And then when they go back down again, the case numbers go down. And it has happened every single time. Like, you can see it happening every time they make some kind of adjustment. That maybe they count something differently or something like that. The charts change because it all starts there. Um, and so this home testing, like, I don't think it's going to be reported. I don't think, but I'm not sure how that's going to work. It, maybe you have to capture it because there is a mechanism in place today that's called surveillance reporting for COVID tests. And one of the other changes they're tweaking is that if you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, and you get infected, that information will not be added to the surveillance information. Somebody explain that to me. That information's in the show notes. Explain how that works to me. But as this as this uh, pandemic seems to be shifting in the states, it's still horrible in India. And as it continues to be rough on India, the calls to open up the vaccine IP rights for, for copyright and manufacturing information around syringes and needles and all of that kind of stuff that you need to completely produce and deliver and give a jab for a vaccine, all of that information, there has been calls to release it so that way nations like India can begin manufacturing their own vaccine and hopefully getting it out to their people as fast as possible. But for some unfathomable reason, the U.S. seems to be hesitant to do that. With India recording more than 10,000 deaths and a million new coronavirus cases over the past three days, the United States is facing increasing criticism for its refusal to back the lifting of patent rights on COVID vaccines. The World Trade Organization is holding key talks on the issue on May 5th. For months, India and South Africa have led an effort for a temporary waiver of WTO patent protections, which would allow private and public facilities around 
around the world to mass-produce vaccines and related patent-protected items like syringes and personal protective equipment. But the United States, under both Presidents Trump and Biden, along with a handful of wealthy countries, have been blocking what's known as the TRIPS waiver. That stands for Trade-Related Aspects of Intellectual Property Rights. On Sunday, Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, appeared on CBS's Face the Nation. He was asked by John Dickerson about Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi's call to lift the patent rates. But quickly, the prime minister asked the president to lift it, yes or no, Willie, or call for lifting. The, uh, our uh, U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai is going to the WTO next week to start talks on how we can get this vaccine uh, more widely distributed, more widely licensed, more widely shared. They want to license it. They want to help distribute. They even want to pay for large aspects of it. But please, please just don't ask us for the IP because that's how we're going to monetize this thing for a decade plus. Uh, we're going to have more to say about that in the days to come. Over the weekend, protesters staged a die-in outside the home of Senator Chris Coons, a close ally of Biden, the senator from Delaware, for opposing the patent waiver. I always think it's interesting how the protesters seem to be aware of some of the political machinations that average American citizens wouldn't be aware of. Would you think to get to Biden, you go through Coons? I mean, once she says it, I go, oh, right. Yeah, OK, that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, they are really tight. But the protesters already knew that. They're, I mean, they're like 30 steps ahead. How do they know that? Are they really that apt on American politics? Methinks not. I, it's, there's, there's, a, there's something around all of these protests that really has not been properly answered. And it's been going on forever. And that is where signs get created and people get organized. And maybe it's just the magic tools of social media and kinkos and people are just taking the tools that are available to them and organizing really fast and figuring out how to go to Senator Coons to get to Biden. Or it seems like you could make the argument that perhaps some interest group is organizing and bussing these people around and giving them essentially areas and pushing them in a direction and telling them go here. I, I, I don't know. But sure enough, there's protests. There's dying protests going on to get these IP, IP rights released. People who will die... If they do not get access to the vaccine, we have the knowledge we should be giving it to them. There were also protests recently at the Gates Foundation in Seattle, at the shareholders' meetings of Pfizer and Moderna in Boston and other cities. We're joined now by Lee Fong, a reporter at The Intercept. He's been reporting extensively on the Biden administration's close ties to COVID vaccine makers and to Big Pharma's lobbying efforts to keep their patent rights. Yeah, that's really what it's about. We don't need to go to an interview to know that. It's about Big Pharma and their tight connection with the White House. And this is all part of the deal. They got a bunch of money from the federal government for the R&D of this thing. And now they're going to sell this patent. I mean, now they're going to use this patent to make money on this vaccine for a long time. And all the boosters, you know, it's really about that booster business. And perhaps the U.S. can afford to send like 10 percent of our stock over to India because, according to the CDC, we may have some positive numbers soon in the states. The CDC is now projecting that coronavirus cases, hospitalizations and deaths in the U.S. will fall sharply by the end of July. This comes as President Biden is setting ambitious new goals to vaccinate Americans against the coronavirus. He wants 70 percent of adults in the U.S. to have received at least one shot by July 4th. That number currently stands at just over 56 percent. 
CBS News' Skylar Henry reports from the White House with more on the new goals and new measures that could make it easier to get vaccinated. Now we're going to have to bring the vaccine to people who are less eager. President Biden admits that vaccine hesitancy is the biggest stumbling block to achieving his goal of 160 million fully vaccinated Americans by the 4th of July. You know, instead of calling it vaccine hesitancy, what we ought to call it is a lack of trust in institutions. This is a point that I just keep hitting over and over again on the show. But things like QAnon exist. Things like flat earthers exist. Things like vaccine deniers and 5G conspiracy people and and all of it, the whole every every conspiracy really that's gotten pretty big or strong belief that people hold in, in like those areas, it's it comes down to not believing the people in positions of authority and the institutions. It simply comes down to denying what they're telling you and believing an alternative set of information. And of course, the human the human beings are um, fantastic with uh, bias and uh, self-selection of information and all of that. So that's that's always an element of this, too. People who don't believe the vaccine is safe don't trust the people saying it's safe. And I harp on this because it, it truly makes all of the difference. You can't, you can't blame other people and say it's, oh, because they follow Trump or they're stupid or, you know, they're crazy conspiracy theories. It's, it's, the institution has failed to gain their trust. And CNN has the answer. In fact, CNN's uh, host is literally giving the CDC director a solution right here on air. He nails it like three times to make sure she's clearly got the message. She fails to bite, but he tried. Um, I want to ask you, there's this report out of the University of Pennsylvania that talks about the role the conservative media has played. And it said that the reports by conservative media have increased people's willingness to believe conspiracy theories and reduced mask wearing and vaccinations, basically. How much do you blame conservative media in this regard? You know, I think this is less about populations and more about people and individuals. And trust. But they, they, want, a, they want a boogeyman to blame it on. But you have, to be, you have to be willing then to have a conversation that is more open about the set of information. I want to talk about this issue for a moment because how do you gain that trust? How do you realistically help people trust information coming out of an establishment that has done so many things to lose their trust. And they continue right now, today, May 5th, 2021, to undercut the trust by being constantly disingenuous about a couple of things I'm going to point out to you right now. Number one, if you want people to trust the vaccine, you have to be willing to have a frank conversation about the fact that this thing is still experimental and that that's fine. And that there are, in fact, sometimes devastating side effects. And every time we play and pretend like there's not, it doesn't make people who are hesitant, quote unquote, all of a sudden believe you that there's no problem. It tells them that you're lying and being disingenuous and at at the very best, anti-intellectual. I'm gonna let's let's play a clip right here that taken out of context. If I, if somebody took this clip and listened to it out of context, they would declare this show as an anti-vaxer show simply because of this clip I'm about to play. Now, news two at six. 
Good evening, everyone, and welcome to News 2 at 6. I'm Haley Wilkes. And I'm Bob Mueller. New tonight, a Nashville woman is speaking out tonight from her hospital bed, unable to walk. Less than 24 hours after receiving her second dose of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine, she was unable to move from the neck down. As News 2's Alex Dennis shows us, she is encouraging others to advocate for their health. It's just like the worst nightmare <laughs> I can ever imagine. Brandy Parker McFadden is confined to her hospital bed at Vanderbilt. Can you walk right now? No, I can't walk. Less than 24 hours after receiving her second Pfizer COVID shot, she explains she lost her ability to move from her shoulders down. I thought maybe if anything, I'd probably get like flu-like symptoms because I'd already had COVID, but I never in a million years thought I would never be able to get up and go to the bathroom or get up and walk to the other side of the room or stand up and hug my kids. The usually active mother of... She already had COVID, got the vaccine, and then had problems after her second shot. Now, she has epilepsy, but other people have reported other various issues. I'm going to play a little bit more of this because they actually get into some of that. But this, just saying that one out of a million people has a problem is, well, it's, it's I, I'm committing heresy right here, right now. Three is speaking out, not with the intent of causing fear. I'm not saying don't get your vaccine. I'm just saying that COVID is really real. And still really new, she continues, including the vaccine, which is why she feels any possible adverse side effect should be investigated, even if it is extremely rare. There's been, I don't know how many people have been vaccinated and been fine, right? But we have to tell everything. Otherwise, we will get nowhere in this thing of COVID. Brandy advocates for women's health on a daily basis. Following a diagnosis of epilepsy, she created a nonprofit called My Epilepsy Story. Now Interestingly enough, the other women who've reported the paralyzation haven't had epilepsy, so it doesn't seem to be necessarily related to that. But uh, I think you have to you have to acknowledge these problems because people see reports like this. Then there's the other thing. There's been the complete and total catastrophe that is mass. What a pathetic failure of our leadership. And it, again, has really come down to science says one thing, it changes. And when it changes in a way that goes against a, pol a political narrative that has momentum, particularly one you'll often find in CNN and the media or you'll find in left uh, politicians, if it goes, if the, if the new science that comes out doesn't agree with their current belief in science, they choose to reject it. And you're seeing this right now after the CDC has come out and said, if you're vaccinated and you're outside, you don't need a mask. And people are rejecting it. People are upset about it. It has been a major controversy this week, and it even came up in an interview with Tapper on CNN, who apparently was reading from the Trump question script and asked a question as if Biden was Donald Trump, only it's to his, um, it's to his advisor, not to Biden himself. And Tapper asked, why is Biden not following the CDC guidelines? Because when the president doesn't follow the guidelines, it creates doubt. If, you, if the president, who has been publicly vaccinated, both times he's fully vaccinated, He's past the window. He's good to go. And yet you still see him when he's outside by himself wearing a mask. People who don't believe in the vaccine or think maybe the vaccine isn't effective or maybe maybe think the vaccine does nothing. When they see the president is still wearing a mask, even though he's vaccinated, it sends it outside. It sends a signal that they're protecting him because he's still vulnerable because he's old. He's in that age group and he's vulnerable. It sends a signal that casts doubt on the vaccine itself. And they played this card with Trump. It's absolutely true for Biden as well. 
vaccinated. But President Biden doesn't seem to be following that. Uh, he got his shot months ago. He still wears a mask walking outside in public appearances. He still wears a mask indoors with people who are also vaccinated. Former Baltimore Health Commissioner Dr. Lena Wen warns that that could actually discourage people from getting vaccinated. Quote, at best, she says, it makes public health measures seem performative rather than science-based. At worst, it calls vaccine efficacy into question. Should the president start following these guidelines and stop wearing a mask outdoors, stop wearing a mask indoors when with small groups of other vaccinated Americans to show the American people there's a benefit to getting the vaccine? You can take the mask off. Jake, you know, it's it's interesting that you raise this. I myself found that I was still wearing my mask outdoors this week because it has become such a matter of habit. I think the president takes the CDC guidelines very seriously, and he's always taken his role as sending a signal to follow the science very seriously as well. You know, we do take some extra precautions for him because he is the president of the United States, but I would say that people should follow the CDC guidelines and they should take advantage of getting the vaccine, getting fully vaccinated, and taking that mask off, particularly as the weather grows so beautiful. I love I love creating this connection of taking the mask off to freedom because it's like all of a sudden they took away something and now they can give you a freedom back again. You never knew you wanted the freedom of going outside without wearing a mask after you've been fully vaccinated, but now you want that freedom. And we all want to be outside. It's a lot more fun to take that outside walk without a mask, that outside bike ride. And I think that as people get vaccinated, they're enjoying it and they're enjoying that freedom. So as we move forward, I think that you will see more and more people enjoying that freedom, getting the vaccine and realizing it's one big step towards normalcy in this country. Yeah. More and more people, including the president, perhaps. <laughs> nice one there at the end there, Jake. Nice one. I What I'd like to see is a, a happy medium where uh, if you want to wear a mask outside or when you go into a store, you totally can. Like if you feel you've got something going on or you've got a, a compromised immune system, you wear your mask, you know, and you don't get any weird looks for doing it. And then what I'd like to also see is if you're outside or you're not sick or you're perfectly healthy and you're shopping or you're out at the park and you're not wearing a mask, you also don't get dirty looks. If I want to wear shorts or jeans, people don't stare at me like I'm some sort of crazy person. If I want to put a cloth over my face and I feel like it's going to keep me healthier, I should be able to do that. And, and I shouldn't get a weird look for it. Just like once everybody's healthy, of course, and we're not spreading around a, a, you know, a virus, I would like to be able to opt to wear the mask or not. I, either way, it could stick around. I'd be okay with that because in flu season, I'd rather we don't get each other all sick. But I don't want to mandate it on people. Let's let's transition. Let's transition uh, because it's that is a conversation that is as old now as the pandemic, and I I legitimately tire of it. Uh, and and we do have a lot to talk about when it comes to Joe the grandfather. Come on, man. We choose truth over facts. I'm gonna give you the whole load today. You know the you know the thing. Let my wife come home. So, you know, let her come home, okay? You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. This is, this is about what we can do together. 
This is how I know Biden has lost it and he's just completely out of it because he would be getting all over his team for constantly screwing him when he's in front of the American people. He should be cleaning house, firing writers, and getting a way better comms team in there because every time they put this man in front of a prompter and they load him up with numbers, he blows it. He's been doing that since before the election was over, and his team should know it. Joe Biden is bad at numbers and little details like .com. Let me repeat, we're going to make it easier than ever to get vaccinated. Visit vaccines.com.gov, vaccines.com, or text vaccines.com to text your zip code to 438829, 438829. Walk into your local pharmacy without an appointment. Go to the doctor or local health. His team should not have him doing those details. Have him go up there, give the high-level points, talk about the reasons, the motivations, and then let Harris come out and hit a few points or let Jen do it the next day. He is just not clear. And here he is explaining his new tax plan, and he completely blows it again. He cannot get the words out. We need to make a choice to eliminate the loophole. Only the gains above for people, only the gains above people making $2 million a year, or excuse me, a couple. A rate of capital gains rate for people making more than a million dollars a year, which, by the way, would affect three-tenths of one percent of all taxpayers. I can't even follow half of this, and I've watched this clip five times. I don't, can you follow it? Three-tenths of one percent of the top one percent. And close another loophole, like the real estate investor loophole. The wealthy is simply paying the same rate on their wages and investment income that raises $40 billion a year for the next 10 years. The reason I'm bothering to do this is I keep hearing on the press, Biden's going to raise your taxes. Anybody making less than $400,000 a year will not pay a single penny in taxes. And we will not increase the deficit either, unlike the last gigantic tax cut, which increased the deficit by $2 trillion. It's about balancing the system. Now, he cannot get the details right, and so it confuses people. It confuses the public. Did you hear what he said in there? Did you hear what he said? It's, it happens really quick. I'm going to play a little bit more. Help is here. And the bottom line is this. The American Rescue Plan is working. America is getting vaccinated. Job creation is soaring. The economy is growing. And our country is on the move again. But some of the parts of, the, of our economy need special help. At the top of that list is our nation's restaurants. When COVID-19 pandemic struck, our nation's restaurants were some of the first hit and the worst hit. In 2020, more than 2,300, 2.3 million restaurants jobs disappeared. 2.3 million restaurant jobs disappeared. It falls apart every time he gets to the numbers, uh, especially when he's trying to explain something that's going to impact people's lives. Anybody making less than $400,000 a year will not pay a single penny in taxes. He just said if you're, pay, if you're making less than $400,000 a year, you won't pay a single penny in taxes. He means you won't pay an, any, a single penny additional in taxes. But he makes it sound like you won't pay any taxes. It's about balancing the system. Anybody making less than $400,000 a year will not pay a single penny in taxes. I promise you. We voted for you too. 
Thank you. <laughs> Folks, look. The next day, the White House had to correct that statement. The president misspoke. The president misspoke. He did not mean that if you make $400,000 or less, you'll pay no taxes. But he just keeps making these gaffes, and they should not make him say numbers. They just avoid all of it. And then when he's out and about, I've also picked up on another trend that I think some of you have picked up on as well, and it's really bizarre. He keeps making comments that he's going to get in trouble for sticking around. What did you ask President Harris to do? This is at the end of a press conference. He's walking away, getting out of there as fast as possible. Will you make it faster to get for them to get the vaccine? The vaccines we will get soon. India, they're suffering at what this moment. What do you moment. say to the folks in India? Well, you make Look, it- I'm sorry. I'm going to just last question I'll take. And I said, I'm really going to be in trouble. <laughs> I'm really going to be in trouble. And the only thing is, he said it multiple times. He uh, was looking for his mask. Later, after he got done doing a little speech, he's looking all around for his mask, can't find his mask. Uh, spoiler alert, the mask is in his pocket, but he can't find his mask. He's looking all over the place. Jill comes up to help him out. You can hear him, I can't find my mask. Looking for my mask, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm in trouble again. And then it turns out, Jill looks in his pocket for him. She's looking at Oh, there's the mask. <laughs> the mask was in the pocket the whole time. Just couldn't find it. Just couldn't find it. Keeps keeps those kinds of those kinds of things. It's just I don't know. It's strange, right? It, it keeps saying I'm going to get in trouble. It makes it feel like maybe the president keeps getting talked to when he says something that he's not supposed to say or sticks around a little bit. I find that weird. I I find the whole thing just like so obvious that he's struggling. He's struggling. It's so clear. It's so obvious from the expressions on his face. It's really clear when you watch it in video to just the words coming out of his mouth. He is so clearly struggling to our intro clip where you see that emotional outburst out of nowhere where family members of mine who are fading in the last years of their life also behave that same exact way. It all really seems pretty obvious on its face. And other countries are laughing us about it. It's kind of sad. And I think it has resulted in in another kind of lack of faith in in the institution, because when I watch that, I don't really see a president who's likely running the show. I mean, seriously, I, I, I it sounds like I'm kidding when I say that if the president had his uh, knockers around, he'd, he'd be firing his writing staff. But I'm not kidding. No president wants to be made a fool. No president wants to be embarrassed. And he would if he really was with it, he'd have them stop doing that shit. There's absolutely no reason they can't take care of him. I mean, Trump ends up reading a prompter better than that guy does. He just struggles every single time. And the situation just seems to be getting slowly and slowly and slowly worse. He has his moments where he really seems quite good and quite with it. He had a pretty good speech in his address to Congress. But the contents of the speech itself were just outlandish. So I have I have nothing else to contribute to the conversation other than just my plead that that somebody besides this show and probably, you know, some right wing radio or something, because that's the only other place this conversation be allowed to be had, talks about this. It just seems obvious on its face. And that's going to destroy people's faith in the institution as well. And this 
the the types of policies and the steamrolling he's doing of the other party, I think, are only going to cause more of resentment for the system that led to the fuck the system vote that was Donald Trump. Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders are fuck the system votes. Go in there. Break it. This shit doesn't work anymore. That's what those guys were. That's why they had so many voters for them, because the people are just beyond the limit frustrated with their federal government. And Joe Biden is 100 percent just more of the same. It's like they're making up for lost time for for Donald Trump and they are going full force. And one of the areas that has absolutely suffered as a result of these new policies and this new attitude post Donald Trump, without a doubt, is the border. And I don't talk about it a lot on the show because it's just such a typical right wing talking point. But for Christ's sake, there is a legitimate humanitarian crisis down there. And even NBC now admits the situation is, quote unquote, frantic and relentless. To the continuing migrant surge at the southern border, we're getting a first-hand look at a new push by local law enforcement to ramp up patrols there. The Biden administration says that Border Patrol processing facilities are no longer as overcrowded, but that doesn't mean that the overall number of migrants is slowing. Law enforcement agencies across this region say they are overwhelmed. Overnight, the frantic flow of migrants was relentless. We were there not with federal border patrol agents, but with rangers from the Texas Department of Public Safety. This is what Texas DPS agents say they're seeing more of each and every night. Rafts full of women and children making the dangerous trek across the Rio Grande. They're saying they're having to patrol more of this area because federal resources are stretched so thin. Do you consider what you see here a crisis? It is a crisis. It is. Since March, state officials say they've referred more than 28,000 migrants to the Federal Border Patrol. They've also seized more than 5,700 pounds of marijuana, almost 100 pounds of cocaine, and more than a million dollars in currency. The Biden administration says much of this surge is seasonal and due in part to poor conditions in Central America. Yeah, it must be climate change, really. You know, that's got to be what's causing it, right, Cam? She's got, she's on it. She's going to make sure that we solve climate change so that way we solve the uh, migration crisis, immigration crisis, not not the systemic corruption that we enable uh, with the drug cartels or any of that. We're not going to that. No, but climate change. Yes, we are going to address that. Uh, and Biden doesn't really project confidence. You know, he, he's he's interviewed about it on NBC and it doesn't really feel like he has a handle on it. Immigration was was not one of the crises that demanded urgent action in January. Does it demand urgent action now? Is, is what's happening at the southern border, is it a crisis? It is getting urgent action now. For example, a month ago, we had thousands of young kids in custody in places they shouldn't be, and controlled by the Border Patrol. We have now cut that down dramatically. Hey, look, here's what happened, Craig. The failure to have a real transition the two departments that didn't give us access to virtually anything were the immigration and the defense department. Your unfiltered show told you this would happen. When something goes sideways that the administration is responsible for, they will f- immediately blame it on the transition. And that's exactly what's happened here. Look, it was the transition. It was the transition. And our people couldn't be bothered to follow the news because every little fart that Donald Trump let escape from his arsehole was covered by the media and sniffed up by all of the D.C. palace intrigue loony bins. And of course, all of the all of the actions down at the border, everything that was happening with kids in cages was covered at infinitum. But they just couldn't be bothered to have known. 
because nobody on the transition team told them. Look, here's what happened, Craig. The failure to have a real transition, the two departments that didn't give us access to virtually anything were the immigration and the defense department. So we didn't find out they had fired a whole lot of people, that they were understaffed considerably. But in April alone, Mr. President, 170,000 people, migrants, apprehended at the border. It's a 20-year record. There are 22,000 unaccompanied children in our country right now. That's a, that, that's a record. That sounds to most folks like a crisis. Well, look, it's way down now. We've now gotten control. For example, we have, they didn't plan for, which it comes every year, this flow, whether it's 22,000 or 10,000. They didn't, they didn't plan for uh, the seasonal ant flow, but I just don't buy that. The numbers are outrageous. And when you talk to people down there, they don't buy that excuse either. They roll their eyes at that. People, you, you, you got to go find local YouTube news reports or call people you know down there and talk to them if you've got family in that area. And you get a totally different story than what the Biden administration is trying to spin. Oh, they're not coming here because of our new programs and the change and the holding them on the other side of the border first and all of that. No, no, it's it's because it's nice out right now. And, um, you know, there's some corruption. Way down now. We've now gotten control. For example, we have... They didn't plan for, which it comes every year, this flow, whether it's 22,000 or 10,000. They didn't have the beds that were available. They didn't plan for the overflow. They didn't plan for the Department of Health and Human Services to have places to take the kid from from the uh, Border Patrol and put, put them in beds where there was security and there were people that could take care of them. So there's a significant change right now significant change in the circumstance for children coming to and at the border. During the campaign, you pledged to reunite hundreds of children who yes. had been separated from uh, their parents by the previous administration. According to our reporting, in, in your first 100 days, not one child's been reunited. I don't how, think that, how is that? I, I don't think that's true, but that could be. What we have done is we have, re, we have united children with their families as they've come across the border. But one of the things is we don't know yet where those kids are. I don't really feel very confident in that. I listen to that and he doesn't sound like he has a very good grasp on it. He's got a couple of the talking points and he's barely even getting those out. The seasonal, you know, the, seas the seasonal flow. Yeah, the seasonal flow. But, you know, I have this clip here of Hillary Clinton. She thinks everything Joe's doing is top. She's just gushing here. She's just so excited. So, I mean, that is the land of unconfirmed. Yes, we came, know. we saw, <laughs> he died. <laughs> did it have anything to do with your visit? No, oh, I'm sure it did. <laughs> oh, oops. Oh, my bad. Oh, that was the wrong clip. Oh, 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 here's the clip of Hillary Clinton. He has once again embodied and modeled what a president should act like um, in the Oval Office, in the White House, in the world at large, uh, with dignity, with purposefulness, uh, with care for what he says and, and how he treats people. Um, and his attention to detail and the team that he has surrounded himself with who are... You know, his attention to detail when he's saying that anyone who makes $400,000 or less will pay no taxes or when he mixes up 300,000 and 3.2 million or when he can't remember seasonal flow you know those kinds of details that she's just gushing about experienced uh, at how you make the federal government work 
has produced uh, a just a tremendous uh, amount of uh, uh, positive action. Hillary's argument that a president like Biden is great because they understand how the federal government works and thus they can get action done is essentially an argument against a candidate ever truly emerging from the people. She's essentially stating that the only president who can be effective is someone who is an institutionalist in government and and is a government creature in and out and knows how to get through all of the corruption, all of the sleeving. And she may be right, but that is just anti-constitution? What is that? It's antithetical, at least, to how things should work in a democracy. Experienced uh, at how you make the federal government work has produced uh, a just a tremendous uh, amount of uh, uh, positive action to not just undo the past four years, but really begin again to get the government working in the right way. And then the passage of the American Rescue Plan uh, to get money into the pockets of Americans who are still suffering economically. Hillary is reading from a prepared statement, which I thought was interesting. Um, is absolutely the right thing to do. And it got done. He was single minded about it. And finally, man, getting 220 million shots into arms, getting the vaccines out there, getting that supply chain fixed, using the federal government through FEMA and the National Guard to be part of the team and, and states and localities. Expanding and increasing the power of government and its reach into your life. Just shows what competent government looks like, which is why uh, he has such high approval ratings across the board. Of course, he has high approval ratings from Democrats, but even among uh, independents and Republicans, people don't have to worry all the time. They don't have to hold their breath when, when they see their president on television. They don't have to, you know, shake their head and wonder that, you know, a president's going to tell them to drink bleach. I mean, we now have a mature, experienced president, and thank goodness we do. No, 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 It's good to see Hillary back, isn't it? Her and Obama constantly interjecting their opinions into modern day politics again. matter. I take it really seriously. Welcome to 
made because I'm a woman. One of my merits is I'm a woman. All these mothers vote for me because I'm a woman. Cause I'm a woman. Vote for me because I'm a woman. One of my merits is I'm a woman. All these mothers vote for me because I'm a woman. Cause I'm a woman. A woman running to be the first woman president. I cannot imagine anyone being more of an outsider than the first woman president. Who can president? be more of an outsider than a woman president? Well, I can't think of anything more of an outsider than electing the first woman president. A woman president of the United States of America. Man, it's just great to have Hillary back, isn't it? Patreon.com slash unfilter if you would like to support this show. I have some I have some things in the works, but I need a little more support out there. So if you've been on the fence and you haven't yet helped make this show possible, head over to patreon.com slash unfilter and sign up. And if we get it just a few more, you know, like another five to eight patrons, I think I'll be at a threshold where uh, I can uh, do the next thing that I've been waiting to do in the show. And I, the reason why I'm not saying what it is yet is I don't want to fully commit until I've tested the pipeline and I want to have the resources to do it and then announce it's possible. So you'll just have to believe me. But there is something in the works. And uh, I'd love your support. It actually matters a hell of a lot seeing those Patreon emails coming in saying somebody has signed up. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Now, back to the show. I'm assuming some of you saw the CIA's recruitment video about woke recruitment that has gotten a lot of attention this week. And I have a slightly different take on it, and I want to discuss that with you. But first, I'm going to play it for you. This is the CIA trying to recruit new hires, and it's a recruitment video like you wouldn't expect from the world's top spy agency. When I was 17, I quoted Zora Neale Hurston's How It Feels to Be Colored Me in my college application essay. The line that spoke to me stated simply, I am not tragically colored. There is no sorrow dammed up in my soul nor lurking behind my eyes. I do not mind at all. At 17, I had no idea what life would bring, but Zora's sentiment articulated so beautifully how I felt as a daughter of immigrants then and now. Nothing about me was or is tragic. I am perfectly made. I can wax eloquent on complex legal issues in English while also belting Guayaquil de mis amores in Spanish. I can change a diaper with one hand and console a crying toddler with the other. I am a woman of color. I am a mom. I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. I am intersectional, but my existence is not a box-checking exercise. I am a walking declaration. A woman whose inflection does not rise at the end of her sentences, suggesting that a question has been asked. I did not sneak into CIA. My employment was not and is not the result of a fluke or slip through the cracks. I earned my way in and I earned my way up the ranks of this organization. I am educated, qualified and competent. And sometimes I struggle. I struggle feeling like I could do more, be more to my two sons. And I struggle leaving the office when I feel there's so much more to do. I used to struggle with imposter syndrome, but at 36, I refuse to internalize misguided patriarchal ideas of what a woman can or should be. I am tired of feeling like I'm supposed to apologize for the space I occupy 
rather than intoxicate people with my effort, my brilliance. I am proud of me, full stop. My parents left everything they knew and loved to expose me to opportunities they never had. Because of them, I stand here today a proud first-generation Latina and officer at CIA. I am unapologetically me. I want you to be unapologetically you, whoever you are. Know your worth. Command your space. Know your worth. Command your space. That, ladies and gentlemen, right there is propaganda like no other nation can do it. And if you were wondering if if politicians truly believe all of this woke bullshit or if they were just pandering, that is right there your answer. Make no mistake about it. The CIA has been warning the different president administrations since the 80s that we were we were heading towards a social reckoning that with the financial disparity and just the world conditions with Russia and China coming up and global jobs and globalization and all of it, the CIA has been forecasting and warning different aspects of the federal government government since the 80s that where we are at today was going to arrive. And they have been advising them on how to take advantage of it and steer it since specifically Occupy Wall Street. You can go look all that up for yourself, but what matters here is this is a cold, calculated move to follow the signal of the Biden administration and cloak them in so- cloak themselves in social issues. The CIA is a hall of liars and spooks. They murder children with drones. It really doesn't matter if that drone pilot is an intersectional Mexican woman or a white dude. It's still a missile that's blowing up a family in a bread shop. And that's been happening for a long time. And this kind of propaganda is so brilliantly done because it's a beacon, a signal that gets everybody talking and positions the CIA as part of the conversation. And they're going to embrace it at every level. They're going to put up the art in their hallways. They're going to make the right hires because this is something they'd much rather be talking about than what the CIA actually is doing. This is a gift to the CIA, and it's the same cloak the Biden administration is wrapping people like his, like like President Biden's assignments, like uh, Janet Yellen, cloaking them in a diversity cloak that shields them from prying eyes, it shields them from inspection, and prevents the attacks that would perhaps, perhaps their character and their past would justify. And it's not just me that feels this way. I really liked Sagar's take on the Hill. He had this to say, just a quick clip from their uh, YouTube channel. Going on there. Uh, I don't even know what to say. It's like the physical manifestation of those memes around people being bombed and saying, well, at least they're women pilots. Right. Glenn actually pointed this out. The U.S. Army, I think, tweeted out about like the first all-gay helicopter crew. Mm-hmm. And he just tweeted out with like gay pride flags and bombs right next to each other. This is it. This is the hollowness of identity politics. You reduce it down, and it is always, I've, you know, this is something I've been tracking and why I've been against it for a long time. The highest centers of power have aligned themselves with cultural liberalism because they know that this is the easiest way to inoculate yourself against criticism from the other establishment centers of power. You could say Black Lives Matter all day for Amazon and screw over your majority black workforce. You can be the CIA and have a you know, proud Latina woman or whatever, and no, your policy is not going to come under scrutiny. I recall the Democratic... My millennials 
Stay woke! I'll leave it at that. I, I mean, I think you, you can check out their channel for more analysis, but it is. Everybody thinks that a woke's gone, a woke's gone crazy and it's affected the CIA, and it's just absolutely, totally uh, a manipulation game. And don't let yourself be fooled. Mommy needs a joint. How about a little high note before we get out of here? If you live in an area where CBD products are legal, but cannabis and THC products are not, well, here's a little information on how that works in the awkward situation it leaves the farmers in who are growing the plants for those products. The lush green of Britain's farming fields, the romantic view of homegrown produce. But this crop is contentious. Steve Barron's fields are full of hemp, a type of cannabis plant. It's moving really fast. At this time of year, the seeds have just been planted. That's a little seed. A little cannabis plant seed. Yes. That'll be a big flower next year. But the harvest will be hampered. Under the terms of his licence, Steve will only be allowed to use the plant's stalks and seeds. The real value is found in the leaves and flowers, non-psychotic CBD oil used in a booming wellness market. But those will end up here, on a fire forcibly destroyed, a totally legal product to sell, illegal for most British farmers to produce. It feels ridiculous, actually. Every other plant... In this country, you can get all the value from it. It's so much tough work growing and being a farmer anyway to then be restricted and told, you, oh, not that bit, leave that bit alone. But you can import it. These are the cannabis seeds planted here in the spring and harvested in the late summer when they've grown into huge, bushy cannabis plants. Under the current regulations, a field of roughly this size might earn a farmer about £12,000 if they're allowed to harvest the whole plant. That would rise to as much as 100,000. And there's no shortage of potential buyers. We made some chocolates at one point, brownies, gummies. We even made a CBD kind of Prosecco. CBD is big business. The market here is projected to more than triple in the next four years. Joe is one of many entrepreneurs in the space who has to import his key ingredient from America. I wish it would come from a UK supplier, which would lower the... Um, CO2 emissions, the, the distance, the um, cost, including paperwork, etc. It would also bring jobs to the UK. It would allow our quality standards to be within the UK. And those standards will be key. Ensuring bad practice isn't legalised, likely one reason for delay. Professionalisation say this farm is the future. They hope this greenhouse will soon grow cannabis. There's a lot of regulatory changes that need to happen in order to create a safe, legal and a transparent supply chain for CBD in the UK. For us, it's an opportunity really to apply the same rigour that we apply to our core business and bring that to sort of UK um, growing CBD production. There are many rules which regulate these plants. Many protect the public. Others say some are just outdated and unfair. Helen Ann Smith, Sky News, Cambridgeshire. Seems complicated to me. Uh, and it is complicated. Even once you legalise everything you end up having a lot of money problems. And New Mexico is looking at legalizing recreational marijuana. And some towns in Colorado are a little worried about it because they know people are essentially, in most cases, illegally crossing the border to buy pot and then going back home again. <laughs> Colorado's marijuana industry is about to have some new competition in close quarters. New Mexico is set to start selling recreational marijuana next year. Denver 7's Jason Grenauer looks at how that will impact a small southern Colorado town. 
Colorado's cannabis industry could lose some money to our southern neighbor. The governor of New Mexico recently enacted a measure to legalize recreational marijuana in that state. While Colorado has had legalized pot now for years, a lot of dispensaries still heavily rely on tourists. Trinidad in southern Colorado has more than two dozen pot shops, with business mainly coming from out-of-state visitors. Denver 7 spoke with the general manager of the Other Place is Greener dispensary in Trinidad, who told us he's very worried about what New Mexico's new market will mean for ours. 45% came from Texas, 20% came from uh, New Mexico. He's got a store called The Other Place is Greener. You know, like it's, you know, the grass is greener on the other side, essentially implying that, I mean, to me, it even seems like this guy built a business knowing that people would be coming from New Mexico to buy cannabis. And that's why he opened his shop up why he, where he did. His entire reason why he opened it there. But that, like, how long is that going to last? You knew where this ball was rolling, my friend. I mean, you're making money on it right now. You knew eventually New Mexico was going to end up here. What did you think was going to happen? When New Mexico does go legal, we will literally be cut off at the pass, Raton Pass. They'll, they'll have no reason to continue driving through New Mexico. New Mexico's legislation also allows people to smoke or consume products in public without fear of penalty. Colorado allows for some social consumption, but cities and municipalities can pass ordinances to prohibit it. Evans says those ordinances could make or break the future of cities like Trinidad. Trinidad has been a boom-bust city, and right now we're in a boom. And we need to be doing everything we can to not bust. And that is getting ahead of these other states. Since recreational pot sales began in 2014, Colorado has brought in billions of dollars in tax revenue and businesses have sold more than $10 billion in products. New Mexico's legal pot market is expected to launch next year. They don't want to, they don't, they don't want to be left out either, do they? They don't want to be left out of that good money. And I, I just I feel bad for the guy. But you, you just said it's a boom-bust city. Like, you know what the deal is. <laughs> it's going to be interesting because that is actually going to be a factor as more and more states legalize, as the momentum picks up on this thing. There will probably be some closures, at least some some resorting, especially after, uh, I'm sure, already having a... Pr- well, actually, the cannabis industry did pretty good over 2020. Although... Although everybody suffered a little bit in some way. You know, people had to install plexiglass and all kinds of stuff. Anyways, it's going to wrap us up here for the official show, at least for the official show. But there is an overtime that's already been recorded and it will be available on our exclusive video site. Hmm? That's what I'm going to start calling it now. Our premium exclusive video site over at unfilter.tube. That's our PeerTube instance where live streams get posted for replay. So if you'd like to watch the video version of an episode, I was mentioning when you watch Biden in video, it's just even more impactful. That's that's maybe a good reason to go over to unfilter.tube. But the overtime is there as well. That is a video exclusive item, at least for now. And you got to get it over at unfilter.tube. Patreon.com slash unfilter for the support. And unfilter.show slash 361 for links. That's also where you'll find the contact page and all that stuff. Thanks for joining me. See you next week. Hello, everybody.
mommy needs a joint. No, 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 no,